When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Law School of America A blind trust is a trust in which the trust beneficiaries have no knowledge of the holdings of the trust, and no right to intervene in their handling. In a blind trust, the trustees, fiduciaries, or those who have been given power of attorney, have full discretion over the assets. Blind trusts are generally used when a trust creator, sometimes called a settler, truster, grantor, or donor, wishes for the beneficiary to be unaware of the specific assets in the trust such as to avoid conflict of interest between the beneficiary and the investments. Politicians, or others in sensitive positions, such as journalists and religious leaders, often place their personal assets, including investment income, into blind trusts, to avoid public scrutiny and accusations of conflicts of interest when they direct government funds to the private sector. Used by U.S. government officials to avoid conflicts of interest. The U.S. federal government recognizes the Qualified Blind Trust, QBT as defined by the Ethics in Government Act and related regulations. In order for a blind trust to be a QBT, the trustee must not be affiliated with, associated with, related to, or subject to the control or influence of the government official. Because the assets initially placed in the QBT are known to the government official, who is both creator and beneficiary of the trust, these assets continue to pose a potential conflict of interest until they have been sold, or reduced to a value less than $1,000. New assets purchased by the trustee will not be disclosed to the government official, so they will not pose a conflict. British Party Funding In the United Kingdom, while the Labour Party was in opposition in 1992-97, its front bench received funding from blind trusts. One set up to fund its campaign in the 1997 general election received donations from wealthy supporters, some of whose names leaked out, and some of whom received life peerages into the House of Lords after Labour won the election. The Neal Committee's report in 1998 found the use of blind trusts to be inconsistent with the principles of openness and accountability and recommended that such trusts be prohibited as a mechanism for funding political parties, party leaders or their offices, members of parliament or parliamentary candidates this was incorporated into the Political Parties, Elections and Referendums Act 2000 as Section 57 Return of Donations where donor unidentifiable, a Totten Trust, also referred to as a payable on death account is a form of trust in the United States in which one party, the settler or grantor of the trust, places money in a bank account or security with instructions that upon the settler's death, whatever is in that account will pass to a named beneficiary. For example, a Totten trust arises when a bank account is titled in the form, in trust for origin. The name is derived from matter of Totten, 1904, the case decided by the New York Court of Appeals which established the legality of this practice. Although this method of creating a trust did not meet the formal requirements of trust creation, or the testamentary formalities required to make a valid will, the court noted that such an arrangement typically involved a small amount of money left by a person of modest means, who could not otherwise afford to establish a legal mechanism for passing the specified property. For this reason, the device is sometimes called a poor man's will. The funds in question are not subject to probate and, if held in a bank account, are insured in the same manner as any deposit.
the beneficiary has no access to the account until the depositor's death and need not be notified that the account exists. This is also called a tentative trust because it is contingent upon the death of the settler or creator of the trust account. Totten Trusts Today Most U.S. states now recognize the validity of Totten Trusts. The Restatement 3D of Trusts, Section 26, and the Restatement 3D of Property also recognize its validity. Such a device can be revoked at any time by the settler, either by closing the account or by executing a will which disposes of the property in the account. The funds in the account can be reached by the creditors of the settler during the settler's life. If the intended beneficiary predeceases the settler, then the gift will lapse, and will generally not be saved by an anti-lapse statute. A Totten Trust is classified as a testamentary substitute because it avoids the need for the assets held in the account to go through probate. Totten Trusts can be created only with certain types of depository accounts or securities, in particular they cannot be used to convey real property. More generally, Totten Trusts are sometimes described as arrangements for deposit accounts. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Forced heirship is a form of testate partible inheritance which mandates how the deceased's estate is to be disposed, and which tends to guarantee an inheritance for the family of the deceased. In forced heirship, the estate of a deceased is separated into two portions. 1. An indefeasible portion, the forced estate, passing to the deceased's next of kin. 2. A discretionary portion, or free estate, to be freely disposed of by will. Forced heirship is generally a feature of civil law legal systems which do not recognize total freedom of testation, in contrast with common law jurisdictions. Normally in forced heirship, the deceased's estate is ingathered and wound up without discharging liabilities, which means accepting inheritance includes accepting the liabilities attached to inherited property. The forced estate is divided into shares which include the share of issue, legitim or child share, and the spousal share. This provides a minimum protection that cannot be defeated by will. The free estate, on the other hand, is at the discretion of a testator to be distributed by will on death to whomever he or she chooses. Takers in the forced estate are known as forced heirs. The expression comes from Louisiana in legal language and is ultimately a calc of Spanish. Overview Forced heirship laws are most prevalent among civil law jurisdictions and in Islamic countries, these include major countries such as Brazil, France, Italy. Spain, Saudi Arabia, and Japan. Reckoning shares in instances of multiple or no children and lack of surviving spouse vary from country to country. Advocates of forced heirship contend that it is perfectly proper for testators to be required to make adequate provision for their dependents, and that most countries in the world permit wills to be varied where they would leave dependents destitute. Critics suggest that there is a great difference between varying wills to the minimum degree to provide sufficient financial support for dependents and prohibiting the testator from distributing the estate or a proportion of the estate to any female children, or younger male children, and that it cannot be any less repugnant to force a deceased person to distribute their assets in a certain manner on their death than it would be to tell them how they may do so during their lifetime. History the institution began as a Germanic custom for intestate inheritance, which was the norm, under which all of a deceased's personality was divided into thirds, the widow's part, bairn's part, and dead's part, the last of which, consisting of clothes, weapons, farm animals and implements, was usually buried with the deceased. With the adoption of Christian funerary practices, it became common to gift away the dead's part, and after the revival of the will, and consequently of testation, the dead's part came to be freely disposable. Realty, or heritable property, on the other hand, was originally inherited in joint tenancy, termed gavelkind, 
and passed on to the kin group as a whole. However, after the household superseded the kin group in importance in the late Middle Ages, preference was given to the deceased's immediate family, specifically any surviving sons, and none could be favored over his siblings. However, Gavilkind inheritance gave rise to inter-family rivalries, so primogeniture laws arose in some areas of feudal Europe giving preference to the eldest son in order to stem feuding. Nevertheless, under medieval communal society, family land could not be sold except for cause, and the family essentially had a right of first refusal, laudatio parentum, in any such sale, in some places, this restriction also applied to gifts. The family was so favored that in order to keep property within the same family, women, who on marriage in effect joined another family, were accorded very few property rights. Therefore, widows were universally disinherited, though they were varyingly entitled to a dower and or a terse, or courtesy in the case of widowers, that is, one-third of the heritable marital estate. The terse was earliest known as tertia collaborationis and first appears in the Riparian Law Code, making it also a localized Germanic custom. In the customs of York and London, for example, a widow was entitled both to her widow's part, customary share, and terse, widow's chamber, the last of which was half, not a third, of the marital estate. Eventually, these elements were all consolidated into the modern form of forced heirship most notably in revolutionary France, which treated personality and realty in the same way and applied gavelkind inheritance and the system of thirds to both forms of property. After abandoning dowries and dowers in the 20th century, many European countries created or increased the spousal share to be on par with the share of issue, legitime, Spain is an exception. Louisiana. In Louisiana, Civil Code Article 1493 dictates that forced heirs are descendants of the first degree who, at the time of the death of the decedent, are 23 years of age or younger or descendants of the first degree of any age who, because of mental incapacity or physical infirmity, are permanently incapable of taking care of their persons or administering their estates at the time of the death of the decedent. If they are not disinherited they qualify as forced heirs. The disinheritance must be made expressly and for one of eight just causes, otherwise, it is null. The legitime is equal to 25% of the patrimony, if one forced heir, or 50%, if more than one, and each forced heir will receive the lesser of an equal proportion of the legitime or what they would have received through intestacy. If a person who would have otherwise qualified as a forced heir dies before the parent, rights to that share may pass to that person's children, although how that share is distributed among them if one or more is an interdict remains unsettled law. Forced heirs may demand collation, whereby certain gifts received by any successor in the three years before the death of the parent may be subtracted from their share. Louisiana does not have a forced heirship provision for spouses. However at death the spouse's interest in any community property is converted to his or her separate property, and a usufruct is granted over the remaining community, with the forced heirs as naked owners of their respective shares. That usufruct terminates at death or remarriage. Wealthy individuals in the U.S. sometimes seek to circumvent forced heirship laws by transferring assets into an offshore company and seeking to settle the shares in the offshore company in a trust governed by the laws of a jurisdiction outside their domicile. The Law School of America the content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America